You're listening to Nonprofit Confidential, episode number 22. Hey there, welcome back to Nonprofit Confidential. I'm your host, Sheila Nimishakavi, the founder of Third Suite, and I hope you're ready because I have a fantastic episode to share with you today. Today, I'm sharing with you my conversation with Chelsea Bennett. You may recognize the name because I shared an episode where Chelsea interviewed me. Well, we've swapped sides, and I'm thrilled to share this interview with you because Chelsea is a total powerhouse, an attorney, a health lobbyist, a former elected official, talk show host, and the founder of the Life with Chelsea Foundation. This woman literally does it all. As you can tell just from Chelsea's multi-passionate life, this episode goes in a lot of different directions, and she has so much valuable insight into balancing life's many obligations, self-care, and running a nonprofit organization as a side hustle. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Chelsea. Hi, Chelsea. Thanks so much for joining me on Nonprofit Confidential. Let's jump right into a few questions that I have for you. So let's talk about your journey. Where did you start? And take us way, way, way back, as far as you can, to where you grew up and how did you get to where you are now? Well, Sheila, thank you so much for having me today on your podcast. Excited to be here. Uh, Well, right now we're sitting in Virginia. I was born and raised in Jacksonville, Florida, Um, So about nine hours away, and I was born to two teenagers. Um, My mom was 16, and my father was 17. And, you know, when I think back to my early years, they were defining years of my life. My father was um, incarcerated for the first five, six years of my life, and so that had an impact on just my my life, my identity, and my relationship with him. And then my mom was a teenage mom um, who was doing it pretty much solo. Um, when she got pregnant with me, she was given the option, she was given the choice of whether to keep me. Obviously, I'm glad that she decided to keep me because here I am today. Um, but it was tough for her. I mean, 30 plus years ago, Um, You know, there were no shows on YouTube celebrating teenage moms. And so here she was in some ways um, criticized, shamed as an outcast, as a teenage mom, because it was, you know, you had a choice and this will forever alter the uh, journey, her journey. And it did. But again, I'm grateful that she decided to keep me. And so um, we were living for years in what I call the urban core of Jacksonville, Really, it was the hood, but um, I like to say the urban core. And it was in, uh, you know, so many different stories and journeys. And again, those were kind of the years that allowed me to decide and to know that I wanted to be a voice for other folks and, and specifically for folks who grew up in situations like me to be a um, an advocate for them, to be a voice for them. And so that's that's kind of how I started in my life. Um, and from there, um, I've been here in Virginia for about three years. I moved here to marry my husband. 
he was living here and so we went back and forth about who was going to move and uh, obviously I was the one that moved and so it's just been an incredible journey of learning myself um, learning what it means to be a wife uh, a pastor's wife and really who Chelsea Bennett is because I knew who Chelsea P Henry was in Florida um, but and so it's been this journey of just self-awareness uh, a journey of loving myself as well in the changes that has happened in life um, by training I'm attorney licensed in Florida I've been in politics and policy for over 10 years done nonprofit work set on boards work for corporate corporations yet I will say um, one of probably the toughest times in my life was my move here because I started completely over so that's me from zero to now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for that. You have had quite a journey. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of people in Richmond actually are transplants. I've met a lot of people who are yeah. not from around here. So that um, moving from one state to another is definitely not easy. And so part of your work, I think, with starting a nonprofit organization and um, figuring out who you are here, did that involve a lot of like networking? Like, how did you find a home in Virginia? So, you know, for me, I think it may be, it's, it's been multifaceted. So, um, one, I had an incredible support system back in Florida that has continued to be um, they continue to be supportive. It definitely looks different, which was one of the toughest things for me. I'm, I was used to, if I had a bad day, I could call a friend up and we went and got the best fresh fried catfish, um, in the panhandle, you know, but that looks differently now. I may be able to call them, but I can't go get my catfish with them. Um, you know, there were folks that were just there for me. Um, and it just looks different when you are hundreds of miles away. Um, yet I'm grateful that they've been there, whether it was a text or call, um, and even checking on me when I didn't respond. I think the other part that's helped me get adjusted is that I have a husband. And so there was someone else, you know, that was there, that's been there, and he's been supportive. But for me, it was also with the lens that I just couldn't stay balled up in a and, you know, um, curled up in my bed all day because there's someone else that I'm living this life with. And so my husband's been a part of the journey of getting settled here. And then there's also been this part of me realizing that this, this self-awareness point portion of it that has been, okay, my life is not over. I did start completely over when I moved here. Um, the only folks I knew here was John and my husband and his family. Um, and so it was this part of the journey has been me digging deep inside and saying, okay, this is not the end. This is just a tougher journey than I may have realized. And then the other, another portion of it, so maybe part four, is I had to get involved and I had to realize that you know, it was going to look different. In Florida, in Jacksonville, Tallahassee, folks knew me, but I was starting over here. And so I had to get involved. And so one of the first organizations I joined, kind of rejoined, was the Junior League of Richmond. I had been involved in the Junior League of Tallahassee, but by a month, I wasn't a transfer. So I had to start 
all over again, but that has been an incredible opportunity. That's how we met. Um, and so, and then just getting involved with different organizations, going to events and just kind of really pushing myself because I'm extroverted most of the time, but with the uh, change in atmosphere and just changing my entire life, that, um, that looked a little different, that felt a little different because again, I was completely new here. And so again, it's been multifaceted to be where I am now three years later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I asked that because combined with, you know, your childhood experiences, you know, being born to really young parents, um, and then now moving from, you know, a place where you had a really strong community and moving to Virginia where, you know, you kind of depended on, you had your husband. So that's obviously incredible. Um, but you know, through all of that, you almost kind of had the experience of the women that you serve through the Life with Chelsea Foundation, you know? So I think you can really be a leader and understand how to create programs for those that you serve. So um, can you talk a little bit about the Life with Chelsea Foundation and when you started it, how you got the idea? I know it's kind of a theme throughout your life, um, but yeah, love to learn more. So the Life of Chelsea Foundation, LWC Foundation, um, started last, officially started last year, March 2018. That's when we became incorporated here in the state of Virginia. Yet, in, in the purpose of Life of Chelsea, the LWC Foundation, is to serve and develop women leaders to help them live a purposeful life. And so um, we are in year two. Um, we are growing, we're developing, you know, working through hiccups, obstacles in that and what that looks like. Uh, this foundation was started um, with the first focus to uh, help expecting moms in need. So whether teenage moms or moms who've um, found themselves on difficult times. And it just goes back to my, um, to where my life started with my mom. Again, she was a teenage mom. Um, 30 plus years ago, she didn't get a baby shower because it was not the popular thing for a teenage mom at that time to have a pop, a baby shower. And so for me, it's not about, uh, for me, the celebration is about honoring moms who have decided that, hey, even though I'm in this difficult spot in my life, even though I'm a teenage mom, I'm going to give life to this baby that's growing on the inside of me. And I have always wanted to be able to ensure that other moms didn't go through the same shame, criticism that my mom went through when they made that decision. And so we provide baby supplies. It's a full baby shower. And so there's food, there's fellowship. They can invite friends and family. And one of the things that's really big for me is I truly believe knowledge is power. I believe that is a part of what helped me get from living in the urban core to, you know, now where I am today in my life was knowledge, right? And so we do games that are around baby around issues that a new mom would need to know. And so that may be co-sleeping, breastfeeding, um, entrepreneurship, how to handle finances, what resources they do have uh, in the community through state agencies. We want them to leave empowered, but we also want them to leave celebrated and encouraged that their decision to have their child wherever they may be in life, that that was a great decision. And so the circumstances may not be perfect, but we want them to be encouraged so that when their baby is born, they feel empowered and supported to be the best mom that they can be. 
I love this mother-to-be celebration. Um, And I think it also really highlights some of the, you know, the values of collaboration within the nonprofit community. So the mother-to-be celebration can bring in those donations like cribs and um, diapers and, you know, a basket full of all of the things that new moms will need. Um, And yet you can also have this event be an educational experience as well. So collaborate with agencies that can teach new moms how to breastfeed or, you know, how to co-sleep and then work with the state agencies to make sure that all of the needs of these moms are met. Um, and so in so many ways you're, you're empowering women to, um, you know, be good moms, but then you're also teaching the state, the agencies and the nonprofits that you're inviting to this celebration about what the needs of moms really are and how can you all work together to make sure that, needs are met on, on all angles, right? So women need yeah. to feel empowered, but then they also need education. They also need the support of a community. So I am obsessed with this event now. <laughs> and it's, it just really takes a holistic look at, um, a holistic look at those you serve. And I, I always find that organizations that can do that can look at a person as like a full being and say, these are all of the different needs that have to be met in order for success. And so how can we work together in order to, um, you know, build this person up? So amazing, such a cool experience. So is it a fundraiser? Is it just like a program that you guys are putting on? So that's a great question. I mean, it's a, it's an event, it's an annual event. So this year will be the second one last year. We honored uh, five moms total, um, well, six, but it, it gets a little fuzzy, um, but there were five moms that were there at the celebration that we honored. One, we didn't know who was going to kind of be there, but it worked out perfectly because we had enough supplies and baby items to be able to give her. And then there was another young lady that we did a house delivery because she was, I believe, 15 or 16 and so she wasn't able to um, make it to the celebration Uh, so I see it as an event I see it as a celebration um, for literally for moms I mean the essence of it is that it's a baby shower but uh, with that we do fundraise we do ask for donations because that allows us to do a few things one Um, Every mom leaves with what I call a baby essentials basket. It's one of my favorite things to do. I literally did them all myself last year. Um, And this is really coming with diapers, wipes, onesies, um, nipple cream, like just some of those basic supplies that they need. Hence, it's the essentials basket. And then each mom walks away with one large baby item. And so last year we had a bassinet. Um, we had a glider, we had a, a stroller, and, and so they each get one large item. And then another, I think I love the entire event, but the other cool part was is that we accept pre-loved items, use baby items in good condition. And we set up a baby boutique along the walls of the room, and so we literally gave, gave them a shopping bag, and they were able to go shop. So whether it was closed or toys or books um and that was donated by another league member which like melted my heart because again knowledge is power for me and so for them to have those books to be able to read to their children was huge and um and then we also had volunteers and then with donations um you know some people did in-kind services whether it was the photographer or the caterer 
Um, and so it is, it's the celebration, but it happens, to your point, Sheila, it happens because of the generosity of people here in Richmond and literally across the country who send in cash donations, who shop our Amazon registry, um, who send in gift certificates. We had organizations that send in gift certificates. And so that was huge because as they were playing these educational games, the winner received, you know, meals for a week, you know, after they've had their baby, or they received a certificate for piano lessons for their child, you know, all these different things. And so it's truly a community effort, truly collaborative. Um, to your point earlier, I was so grateful for some of the folks on the event planning team last year who worked with state agencies because they were able to provide those connections that as a newbie, I didn't have. Um, but yes, it's very collaborative. We had doulas there last year who came in and literally educated me. I was not familiar with a doula until they came last year. And now if I ever decide to have a kid, I will have a doula with me because it was the education they provide. They empowered the moms that issues that they may encounter during their pregnancy do matter. Their voice should be heard and just how to walk through some of those issues. So it's literally this, again, the celebration that happens because people donate, um, they volunteer, um, they nominate expecting moms and needs. This all happens because of a nomination process, and we're still accepting nominations. Um, but it's a community. It's, it's, it's about the community. It's about service. It's about ensuring that those moms leave their empowered. That is so beautiful. Thank you. You know, I think when I think back of when I think to the nonprofit organizations that tend to be the most successful, it's because of this intention, you know, this intention to do a service in the community. And that's all it is. You know, there's no alternate agenda. There's nothing else. It's simply let's get the community together. There's a need. How can we, how can we fill that need? So I think you're definitely on the path to growing this organization as big as you would like to. (laughs) But that being said, you have very limited time. I know you obviously you're a wife, you're involved with your church, you're a junior league member, you're, um, you know, you have a full-time job. So how do you balance, how do you balance it all with this being kind of your, um, like side passion project? That is for me, I believe in life uh, integration. Um, and so I see my life, it's multifaceted, yet it's integrated in so many ways. And so obviously my full-time job is my full-time job. And that's like totally separate when I'm there, I'm there yet with these other passion projects, community, civic engagements, it is How am I leveraging my network, my own expertise and skill sets, the expertise of of my board member? How am I leveraging all this to be successful um, and to be able to be productive as well? Because that's key to me is impact and productivity. And so uh, what I do is, you know, my husband is some way involved in everything, which I think is important. And so um, last year with the mother-to-be celebration he made sure that all of the stuff that we had collected and filled our house with was at the church you know where the baby shower took place and so that was huge um and then you know he's involved with my other uh side project my uh my digital talk show and so it is 
literally this integration of things. And then for me personally, I always try to make sure that there's a, um, that I'm thinking about Chelsea because if I'm burnt out, then it's going to have this negative effect on all these things that I'm trying to do to impact other folks. And so it may be uh, with a Saturday afternoon, yes, I need to rest, but while I'm resting, I may be reading a book or researching something um, that's not super intensive because at the end of the day, I need that information and I need that time while I still may be laying on the couch. And so again, for me, it's just about integration, collaboration with folks um, to make sure that however we partner together, there's some type of impact. Um, I have really, really been on this journey lately, probably for the past six weeks of just making sure that from a health perspective that I'm taking better care of myself because I had a ton of health issues over the course of my life. And some of those things, I'm, you know, I can't control, but I do know that with exercise, eating healthy, um, that I can have an impact on how I feel, um, mental clarity, you know, and so quiet time is something that's very important to me. And so I share those things because we all have many things on our plates, yet it becomes important for us to make sure we prioritize what's most important. And one of the things that should be most important to all of us, especially as we're doing great work as nonprofit leaders, is making sure that we're taken care of and making sure that we are okay with saying no. We become comfortable with saying no because, again, I learned that a burnt out Chelsea is not as effective. Really, I'm not effective at all because I'm tired, I'm irritated, <laughs> and so it's it doesn't... It doesn't benefit anyone, the folks that I'm working with, uh, nor the folks that I'm trying to serve. And so, again, it's about integration. It's also about, I've learned that it's about taking care of myself. It's how I'm able to do these things. Because when I have better mental clarity, okay, it doesn't take me an hour to think through a process. It may take 15 minutes because I've done that. You know, I've spent time... Um, you know, whether it's meditating, for me, meditating on the Bible, or if it is reading some encouraging self-help book, but I've taken that time to think about my mental health and my emotional health. I'm really big on journaling. And so by the time I get to whatever that work is that I need to do or being prepared for that meeting, it is all that extra baggage stuff is to the side. And so for me, again, all that is important when we talk about balance because anybody can give you tips on how to, in some ways, balance your life. But I truly believe it's integration of the things you're working on as well as your health and your family. Yes, if I could like that like a thousand percent, yes. <laughs> Just in so many ways. So one of the things I always do at the end of this podcast, I always ask um nonprofit leaders to talk about, you know, what do you do for self-care? And one, just to share the idea with the audience so everyone can find just little ways to integrate self-care into every day. So thank you. You already answered that question, which is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but I also love that you, you kind of have the philosophy of it's not necessarily work-life balance. It's just life. So yes. there's, if you're waiting for that time where it's like 50-50, it just it may never happen. So, so you, know? you know, not only may it never happen, but 
I find that, you know, as a nonprofit leader, as an entrepreneur, still as a full-time professional um, with a huge role in what I do, I realize that I can't stop one part of my life so that the other part can be successful, right? Mm -hmm. And so for me, there may come a time one day where one part is stopped, but I'm not at that place. And I think it's so important for um, entrepreneurs and leaders to recognize that you have to keep all those important balls. So your side, your side stuff, as well as your professional stuff, you have to keep that ball rolling with excellence, right? Mm -hmm. Because until you get to the place where that side ball becomes the main ball, then what you do for your full time truly has an impact on what you're doing on the side. And I see that in a few ways. One, it's going to impact your brand, um, how people perceive you, because you never know you know, how someone at your job, even though it has nothing to do with what your side hustle is, but you never know who their connections is, right? Who their connections are. So you don't do it for that, but you recognize that that's an element. And so you always want to be professional, do great work while you're at your job, even if you don't like it, which leads me to this other part that I think is important is that I've been in jobs that I did not like. I've had terrible bosses. Um, I think most of us have, right? The research shows it. Um, <laughs> But we have a part to play in our daily attitude, even when we're going to a job that we don't like. And that's important for us to know that we have that control. We have that power over our outlook, over our perspective, over what we continue to think and affirm in our minds. And so because at the end of the day, if you just hate your job and that's the only thing you think about, what I learned was that that took away time when I got home from working on whatever it is that I was trying to grow or serve in my, how I was trying to serve in my community because I have all this pent up negative energy, this hate, this resentment. Whereas, you know what, on the days for me, when I spend a little bit more time in my Bible and it's like, okay, and gave all those concerns because I'm not negating how I feel, but I do have power over how I think. And so it was, okay, when I wake up five o'clock every morning um, in my quiet time, God, this is how I feel. This is what I'm going through. Let him pour into me. Again, it doesn't mean that the situation that my job changed necessarily anyway, but my outlook changed. So I decided that I was going to be joyful. I decided that I was going to be positive even when my coworkers or my boss were going was being negative. And what in turn that did was when I left work and I did my very best, um, worked and you know, showed a product that was excellent, when I got home, I didn't have all this baggage and pent-up energy on, in me because I decided early that morning that this was going to be a good day despite how everybody else around me. And so I just think that that is so important for entrepreneurs and leaders when you're going through that transition to still remember that you have control over how you think and how you see the job that you're so ready to leave. Yes, it's so, so, so true. And also, I mean, at some point, you kind of have to look at all of these you know, maybe it's conflict at work or, you know, you're just so excited about your passion project that you just want to get through the workday. So, you know, quickly, then you can go home and start working on your passion project. Um, but I think when you can start to look at the interactions in your workplace and, um, start to look at them as opportunities for growth, like you're saying, um, it kind of, it makes 
your day job more exciting because now you're looking at it as a way to learn the lessons that will make you better at your passion project. Absolutely. And at some point, I mean, if, if things go according to plan, your passion project will become your full-time job. <laughs> so at that point, you're going to need to, you know, navigate the conflicts and learn to have those um, kind of day-to-day mundane things that you hate about your full-time job. <laughs> They're going to show up pretty soon in your passion project if all goes according to plan. Um, so yeah, so kind of along the, the lines of that, what do you think is the most challenging part of leading the org- leading your organization? So for me, it's, I am type A. That is just how I am wired. And so I like things to go in order, go in plan, go as planned. And it just doesn't happen like that, especially when I will not even if it was my full time focus, it's still things still would not go as planned. And so in that I have had to learn in leading to be extremely flexible, to be open to new ideas, new ways to phrase things. It has been a journey again in that self-awareness of of what type of leader do I want to be? What is the purpose of my foundation? Why? And then the big thing is why? Like, why, why, why? And so, um, like, for this year, we had to change the date of the celebration. And it was, you know, why am I doing the celebration? Does it have to be on a specific date? No. But we want to make sure that we impact these moms. We empower these expecting moms. And so, um, my personality type has become very, uh, has, has been kind of, you know, a light has been shunned on it even more. I mean, I already knew that I was type A, but it's been to this to this point of what is the impact that I'm trying to make and to make sure that literally my ego is taken out of this or otherwise I'm affecting the mission of the event. Mm, yes. Yeah. And so, and, you know, it's so funny you mentioned kind of how an ego can get, get in the way of leadership because... I often hear about things like founder syndrome, where it's 100% just like kind of ego getting in the way of the organization progressing and the impact that you really want to have. Um, So, I mean, for starters, like, really great job on having that self-awareness. You know, it it, it continues, you know. So, for instance, for this year, um, one of the things, again, my ego got in the way because it was we had secured the doulas, we had secured the photographer and it was do I want to go back to them and say hey uh we're pushing it back and but that was all my ego because when I went to the doulas they were like oh my gosh absolutely uh you know you pushing it back will help us be able to support you and promote it any you know more because they had been busy working on another project outside of their doula work because they're very involved in the community and my photographer was just like, well, just let me know when the new date is. And so it was like, <laughs> here I am in this place of Chelsea is supposed to have this perfectly planned event. And how dare she change the event date? And and then uh, my board member was like, listen, we can change it. We're not ready. It is perfectly okay. And But my ego was in a way because it was just like, oh, my gosh, I can't change the date you know what will people think and just truly me (laughs) overthinking and yeah yeah and you know I think at the end of the day it's about putting on a celebration for these moms so when you stay true to your why 
the date doesn't matter. You know, obviously you want to be professional and that's kind of um, in the way that you navigate those conversations you have with your doulas and your other vendors. Um, but at the end of the day, if it's not the right time, it's not the right time. Right. <laughs> you know? And I see a lot of organizations who um, would rather keep the day than put on a really great show, you know? And I feel like that is just um, such a good example of saying, you know, the world's not going to end. Right. <laughs> the idea is to, to do your best. And if your best can't occur right now, then, um, you know, maybe it is better to, pu- to push it off. But have those conversations. Um, that's great. So you do you feel like you've personally evolved since starting the LWC Foundation? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because it has, you know, as you were talking about the founder syndrome, you know, this is... Um, the foundation, I mean, it's it's one of my babies. I would say the foundation and Chaz with Chelsea are my two babies right now. And so it has required me to just really dig deep um, often and go back again to my why. Um, because that evolves, you know, that and in that I have evolved because initially there were about three different programs we wanted to do. And I had to say, I don't have that capacity right now and we need to do one program, one event celebration and do that well and get that going and get that. Um, and because we've already began thinking about this next program that we're going to start for the foundation that is serving women and their children. But I've evolved in being just more secure with where I am and who I am and, um, even changing the date for the celebration has even helped me on that journey because it's, again, you know, t- to what you said, it's a it's a date, right? And the people who need to be there, they're totally fine with the new date. So it's like, why am I, why am I stressing? And you know, I've evolved in you know just being sharing my story more um, because people want to know why. You, Chelsea, you have no kids. You don't know if you're going to have kids. Why are you celebrating these expecting moms? And so um, I have evolved in what it takes to be a mom, um, just from interacting with the moms and the vendors. And so I think I have heard so many different birth stories. Sometimes it sounds exciting. Other times I'm absolutely terrified. (laughs) So I have evolved, but one of the biggest uh, things I have involved in my thinking is of what it takes to be a mom. Mm. And so I appreciate moms. I, you know, really appreciate those teenage moms and moms, again, who have faced difficult times during their pregnancy and they decided, hey, I'm keeping my child. Yeah. Leadership is definitely humbling. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so... What advice would you have for someone out there who wants to start a nonprofit organization? So a few things. I think it's important to note that in my background, I've worked for a nonprofit as well as I've served on many nonprofit boards. And so um, I would encourage the person to get involved with a nonprofit. And the reason being is because the nonprofit world is different than corporate America and it's different than government. And I, again, worked in all these sectors. Um, And volunteering with a nonprofit, one, will give you insights into how a nonprofit is run. And two, it will really help you decide if that's the way that you want to go. One of the things I tell mentees and people who reach out to me about advice 
whether it's nonprofit, government service, or whatever it may be, is yes, you may have this brilliant idea, but that does not always mean that you should go out and start it. It may be that you should team up with someone else to be a part of their vision and your vision. I mean, there, there, there are organizations all across this world that, you know, someone comes in and they become, you know, the CEO and then there's a chief operating officer. You just don't want to limit yourself to with the focus of starting something new. And that was something that I evaluated because one of the things that I didn't mention earlier was that I initially started a nonprofit probably about nine years ago when I was in Florida, which I should have just ran with it when I knew everybody um, versus here where I'm like literally <laughs> learning the, the, the players, the culture as I go with this organization. But I have wanted to do something for teenage moms for, I mean, for years, more than a decade. And so I started it there and I just was a wimp and I didn't go forward with it. Um, and so here I am here and within my first year, it was just heavy on my heart, literally for me to keep going and to start this organization. And so for me, it was really personal and it was something that even as a newbie, I asked around to some of the key players that I knew here in Richmond and it was, is this idea going to be something a little bit different because I don't want to duplicate something that's already done. And when some of these folks, many of the folks, when they heard my full vision, they said, Chelsea, you should do that because that's a different spin, different twist, a different way that you'll be able to reach some folks. They named folks that I should connect with and those were folks I connected with. I tell you that whole story so that you know that you don't have to be pressured to starting something new. And if you do start something new, um, to make sure that you are collaborative because the nonprofit world, I mean, we're all trying to fundraise some type of way, right? We're all trying to get people to our events and different things of the sort. And so it's better to do it with a group of people, especially, especially if you're truly about the impact and it's not about you and the name of your organization, it makes it so much easier to be collaborative with other organizations. I love that. So what tools and resources did you find useful either, you know, when you were starting, I mean, you're still in the starting stages. So yes. what, um, <laughs> yeah, still learning. <laughs> yeah, so we're always, all of us are always learning. So <laughs> there's always something, but was there anything in particular that you remember as being something that stands out in your memory? So for me, I would say it really goes back to the boards, the nonprofit boards I served on that were beneficial for me to understand what it would take to truly build. You know, I am in year two. Um, I have been on boards of organizations, of nonprofit organizations that are in work for that were like in year 10. And it sometimes can be this very slow and long process of growth. And so you have to be truly committed to it. So my tools were my experiences. And as well as I love to research, you know, I'm an attorney by trade, policy nerd. And so I did a lot of research on just nonprofits geared towards women, because where LWC Foundation is today um, it's just the beginning stages. I mean, there is, I have a vision for where we will be in five and 10 years. And so it was 
what does that what does that journey look like to get there? And there were just tons of articles and blogs that I read about experiences, about pitfalls to try to avoid, um, to help me to continue to grow the organization. Yes, yeah. I really, really, really love that you mentioned serving on a board as a resource for starting your own nonprofit. I think that's actually the first time I've ever heard that on this show and with everyone I've talked to. (laughs) But I think it's a really, really, really good tip because if you're working with an organization that's 10 years down the line, three years down the line, five years down the line, whatever it is, like you know what to expect. So you can kind of work backwards from there and kind of strategically build your organization to say, okay, do I want to be like this other organization that I've served with or do I want to do things differently? And it kind of gives you a comparison. Um, And that can come through, of course, working in the field, volunteering in the field, serving on a board, but that experience is so crucial. Yes, I think experience is one of the best tools out there because to your point Sheila it will help it can help you to see how you want the internals of your organization to be run because it's great to have a vision but how you actually run your organization those are two different things and nonprofits all across this world are ran differently and so if you're able to have experience even if it's only a few experiences and at least see what you don't want that still can be a huge tool and resource to you because as you're building if you start to see your organization going towards that Mm -hmm. because you've seen it because you've seen it in action through volunteering through service through employment you know to kind of press the brake so that you can redirect where your organization is going so it's just to me it's an invaluable it's an invaluable tool um and i think another tool for some folks this was different for me is that if you do this as co-founders with someone else, their experience, they could be the tool. If you have the vision, you know, and so again, I just go back to that earlier point of, you know, don't lock yourself into having to start something new to have your vision accomplished. Mm, Yes. Love that. And you know, we're such a cool kind of stage in nonprofits right now is because there are a lot of nonprofits. So, you know, you can like reach out and talk to someone and, and figure out like, one, is this a good idea? Should I start this organization? Is there another organization doing something similar? But also what can you, what can this person teach me? Can they be a mentor to me so I can learn from their lived experience as well? So Where do you hope to take the Life with Chelsea Foundation in the future? What's your vision? So, you know, when I think about the next five years, we definitely, we've already been having conversation with individuals of having more than one mother-to-be celebration each year, so possibly two and one in a different state. And so we'll see where that conversation goes over the next um, year or two. Um, Side note, I I just want to reiterate to my nonprofit leaders that Especially if this is something that you are doing on the side, things take time, right? And that's just one of the biggest things that I had to learn that it's going to take time. So something that probably would take me a month if I was doing this full time may take me three to four months because I'm also dealing with someone else. So just keep that in mind. Um, So more, you know, more mother to be celebrations because I believe there are women all across this country who should be honored for again making the decision to keep their baby as well as for them to be empowered and educated and then we are looking at doing additional um, programs and events around entrepreneurship 
Um, my board member, she's an entrepreneur. She's had her own catering business for 10 years. And so she has tons of experience, expertise, and she shares openly things, you know, that she could have done better, things she's working on. And we want to empower not only, you know, moms, but really begin to get with um, some of the younger women and empower them, give them the tools, right? Because again, one of the things I'm really big on, as you have heard throughout this conversation, it may is... If someone wants to be an entrepreneur, great. We want to make sure they have the tools or we want to make sure they have the right team Mm -hmm. or we want to make sure they know where the right organization is for them to carry out their mission. And so we'll be doing programs around that, probably starting with preteens. And then, you know, there's so many more ideas I have because at the end of the day, I believe that there is a leader inside of every woman, you know, whether they are a domestic engineer or whether they are a podcaster, or whether they are an attorney, uh, no matter what it is that they do on a day-to-day basis, I believe there's a leader on the inside of them. And so we will continue to produce tools and resources for them to be able to develop and to be able to continue to serve themselves. So one of the things that's um, connected to the foundation is Chats with Chelsea, which is my digital talk show. And on that For me, that's a resource for women so that they're able to see the journeys of other women um, and to learn. And as we uh, prepare for the second half of season two, we're moving more into a topical format. And so we'll be educating women on entrepreneurship, on mental health, on so many different things. Because, again, knowledge is power. So where can everyone find you? How can everyone learn more about Life with Chelsea and Chats with Chelsea? Yeah, so everything is connected to lifewithchelsea.com. And so that's life with, and I spell C-H-E-L-S-I. Um, everything's connected there. Um, and so you'll find information about the foundation, um, the celebration that will be happening in September of this year, um, Chats with Chelsea, which is available on iTunes, YouTube, and so just excited to, for me, I'm excited to be able to have these avenues to do, to live out my purpose, and so I just want to continue to help other women do that. I'm so excited for the mother-to-be celebration this year, but just for everything that you're going to accomplish. I know you're going to do really great things, and you're serving a community that really needs it, so... I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Oh, and you can follow us also on Instagram, which is where I am most of the time. Um, It's Chelsea H. Bennett as well as LWC um, underscore foundation. And so you'll see all the great things we're doing because I love Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's very fun. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you for having me and thank you all for listening today. All right, I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you found the information useful and would like to dive even deeper into the topics we discussed, then you would love Nonprofit Scholars. Nonprofit Scholars is our on-demand training program for nonprofit professionals. For less than $30 a month, you'll have access to 52 webinars a year an online community of experts and peers, and monthly Q&A sessions. If you're interested, head on over to nonprofitscholars.com to check that out. For show notes from today, head over to thirdsuite.com forward slash 22. 
I hope you have an absolutely fantastic day. I'll talk to you next week.